Well, this morning we are privileged to have uh, Colin Jennings come open God's word for us. Uh, if you joined us for Sunday school, you heard Colin and Zuri uh, give an encouraging report of their missionary work. Uh, Colin and Zuri serve with RUF Global, uh, uh, ministering on college campuses in Senegal. And Colin, we're grateful for you to open God's word for us this morning. Thank you, Steve. Well, uh, greetings to you, brothers and sisters. Um, send greetings to you uh, on behalf of myself and my wife, Suri. Uh, we are so delighted to be with you uh, once again. I think it was um, about five years ago that we were last here, and it's, it's just a joy to be among you again. Um, and uh, it's, always, it's always wonderful to be at a congregation that has supported us so faithfully. So thank you to you, Redeemer. If you have God's word, um, please open it to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. Hear God's word. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we come into your presence. We come uh, humbly before you and we come under the authority that you give us in your word. Lord, we do not stand above your word, but we stand under it to hear from you today. And Lord, now may... Uh, Everything I say, may it, may it be to your glory. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's something mysterious about the way things grow, the way things grow in nature. Uh, to the naked eye, in real time, we actually can't, we can't really see things grow. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to actually see the process of, of growth. Uh, just outside of our window in, in Senegal, where Suri and I live, when we moved into our apartment, um, we noticed we're up on the second floor. It's actually the third floor here, but they have a different system there. Uh, so, so the third floor of our apartment, just outside of our window, we could see that there, there are two large uh, African kites. A kite is uh, kind of like a bird of prey. Think of like a hawk. And, and we noticed that these two kites were building a nest. And uh, it, was, it was just fascinating to see them build this nest day by day. And uh, as they prepared to, to lay eggs, um, and, and one day the, the, the mama kite laid eggs. And each day we got to just see these kites. Eventually the eggs hatched. 
and little baby kites uh, started sticking their heads up over the, the edge of the nest. Until one day, we actually saw one of these kites. I've, I've never, you know, you see this on TV, you know, maybe in a National Geographic or something. Uh, this baby kite started to flap its wings, and he flew away. And it was just, it was fascinating. We, we had, it was like a, a, yeah, a National Geographic moment to see these kites grow. Uh, I say we saw these kites grow, but what actually what we really saw was, was like little frames, freeze frames of growth, because we can't, we can't really see things grow. You know, I was thinking um, also about, you know, when we, when we meet with our families once a year, uh, have nephews and nieces, and, and uh, before we went away, I would, I would see my nephews and nieces about once a year, and I could notice how they grew each year, because I would see them only once a year. But, you know, if you're, if you're their parents, you can't really see their growth, can you? You can't, it, you, it's imperceptible. It's, if, you see, if you see something every single day, you can't actually notice the growth. If you see something, if you see a person once a year who's growing, uh, a young person, you can see their growth. It's mysterious how things grow in nature. It's, just, it's mysterious how God has created his, 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 his world and how we get to see that. You know, what's, you know what else is, is fascinating about growth? What grows mysteriously, what we see in this text this morning, is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God grows mysteriously. This morning we're going to look at a parable from Mark's gospel. This gospel is sandwiched in between two other parables which speak about seeds as illustrations of the kingdom of God. Most people at the time of Jesus in the first century world, they, they, had a, they had an idea of what God's kingdom would be like. They had certain expectations. But the kingdom that was taking shape in Jesus Christ was not going to fit their description. It was not going to meet their expectations. Jesus understood that the kingdom, his kingdom, that, that was taking shape around his ministry was going to need some explanation. Hence the words that Jesus often used in, a, in his parables, the kingdom of God is as if. He, he used this over and over in his parables. Jesus began his parables with these words because he knew he had to, he had to relate something that he was going to communicate to something of everyday experience. Jesus was the master of the metaphor. He was the master of using simile. He was a master of taking the mundane and filling it with spiritual meaning. And so we have the parable of the seeds. For Jesus, the nature of seeds were particularly apt for, for explaining the nature of his kingdom. Their size, their growth, uh, what they turn into, all of this illustrated the peculiarities of God's reign in Jesus Christ. But once again, the common expectation of God's kingdom was not, going to, was not going to correspond with the nature of seeds. Think about it. Seeds are tiny. And their growth is mysterious. The average Jew living in, in Roman Palestine in the first century, this was not their expectation for the, the arrival of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom would, would arrive abruptly, spectacularly, there would be no mistaking that, that God was, was instituting, was inaugurating his reign. There would, be, 
There'd be no dispute. It would be something spectacular and glorious. Not exactly the way a seed grows. But for Jesus, the seed was the perfect metaphor. And Mark's gospel gives us this parable, uh, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful way for us to understand what God is up to. Jesus knew what he was doing when he, when he gave the parables of the kingdom. He was, he was, as it were, resetting the expectations of the people. He was resetting their expectations of what God's kingdom would be. The question for us this morning is, how does Jesus' teaching going to reset, how is it going to reset our expectations for his kingdom? The answer to that question isn't just isn't mere abstract theory. In fact, understanding the nature of God's kingdom might actually help you get a decent night's sleep. <laughs> this parable is brief. You could almost read right over it. It's so short, but it's so packed with, with so much meaning. I have three points uh, that I think rise up from, from this parable that, that I think we can we can hook on um, as, we, as we seek to understand what, what Jesus is saying here. The first point is that the kingdom grows mysteriously. The kingdom grows mysteriously. And Jesus said, he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. Before I go any further, uh, I, I think I should preface anything else I'll say just by saying that I, I, I can't this morning resolve every um, maybe question you might have about what exactly is the nature of, of the kingdom of God. This is something that uh, when you go to seminary, you study. Uh, this is something theologians, uh, biblical scholars have been wrestling with. Uh, what is the nature of God's kingdom? What is the scope? Uh, what is the relationship of God's kingdom to his church? I can't answer all those questions this morning, but if I could have a stab at it just as a sort of a rough and ready definition for us this morning, let me offer this. The kingdom of God is essentially the saving reign of God on earth. The kingdom of God is the saving reign of God on earth. And this reign powerfully and decisively broke into space and time in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And this reign will continue to grow, the reign of Jesus, until all of creation is renewed and restored under the sovereign sway of King Jesus. Now, if that last statement is true, if what I just said is true, that's going to help us to understand a lot of, a lot of the New Testament. As we read our Bibles, as we read the New Testament, that's if, if we can understand that, that Jesus' kingdom, it, it is here, it has come, it is even now, as we, as we have gathered this morning to sing to our King, to celebrate, to worship Him, to hear His Word, to, to later partake of His Supper, we are experiencing even now the kingdom of God. But all of us know, I think, in this room, 
When we think about the full extent of God's kingdom and we look out on the world, even just as we prayed for these different countries, as we we pray to what's going on in Iran and as we pray to what's happening in the Middle East and we see the chaos and the warfare and the evil that's happening and we look inside our own hearts, I look inside my own heart and I know that all is not well. As we confessed earlier, as I confessed, I struggle with sin every single day. We all struggle with sin every day. The world is, is, has, is plunged in deep darkness and evil. So if we understand that God's kingdom is here, and yet all of this is going on, how do we make sense of it? Well, we know that God's, God's kingdom will one day come to, to a consummation, a glorious consummation. It's here as some scholars say, it's, it's, it's here already, but it's not yet fully accomplished and realized. So we have this parable this morning of this seed, a man, a farmer. He goes into a field. He scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces all by itself, the text says. In other words, the kingdom of God grows mysteriously and it grows without the intervention of man. Now, before we jump to too many conclusions about what I just said, there is human initiative. There are things we do. God's kingdom comes by his own sovereign will, by his his own sovereign power. He establishes kingdom. But God has chosen to use us, you and me, There's practical things we do. There there were many practical things that that went into organizing this worship service this morning. People had to show up with with the elements. the, The podium had to be set up. The chairs had to be set up. Scheduling had to be made. When you think about ministry, leading a Bible study, preparing to teach a Bible study, preparing to give a sermon, any kind of ministry, there's 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 initiative. You have to make phone calls, send a text. You have to prepare. You have to study, pray. You have to organize your day, make a schedule. There, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of work involved in what we call kingdom work. There's a lot of initiative we take. So, so as a sort of caveat in the application of this parable, it's not, it's not saying that we can just sit back and do nothing. I don't think that's what Jesus' intention in, in giving this parable is. No, there's much for us to do. But, but I think what Jesus is saying is we need to get perspective on how God's kingdom grows. Because ultimately it grows not by what we do. According to Jesus, what he says in the parable, it grows actually while we sleep. It grows while we sleep, as it were. It often grows without us knowing how. It grows when and where sometimes we least expect it. What we can do is we can, in some ways, set the context. We can do what God has given us each day. We can, we, can, we can do the tasks we have to do. But ultimately, the growth revolves around what God does. As, as the Apostle Paul said uh, to the Corinthians, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God gave the growth. And so... We go about our day, we, we rest, we, we sleep, 
we recreate, we eat, just like the farmer. We go, to, we go to bed at night. And the earth produces all by itself. The word used here in the original language is automate. And you can see immediately where we would get our word automatic. <clears throat> the earth produces automate. It, it, just, it just produces. The farmer does absolutely nothing in relation to the growth of the seed. The seed pulls in moisture and nutrients and pushes up a little, a little sprig. And, the, and it converts, you know, if you study plants, it, it converts sunlight into energy, photosynthesis. And all of a sudden you have a plant growing up. And you might say, well, you know, Colin, you're saying, uh, you know, we don't really know. We don't see the, the plant grow. We don't know how it grows. But, you know, botanists, they know. I actually had a, a couple courses in botany in, in college. And, and, and it's actually pretty technical when you think about, when you study uh, how plants grow. But, but to, to sort of go down that rabbit trail is to miss the larger point. And the larger point is this. That the, the, the seed grows automatically by a process independent of the farmer and by a process that the farmer cannot visibly observe. And so the kingdom of God grows in a way that's, that's unobservable to us. What should, what should knowing this do for us? <laughs> how, can, how can knowing that help us this morning? Well, I, I think... I think it can give us comfort. I think knowing this can, in some sense, put us in ease. Knowing that we can't explain how God's kingdom grows, but it's okay. Because God does. And God is the one causing the growth. Even sometimes when it's, when it's maddeningly mysterious <laughs> to us. In, in West Africa, I, I so often find myself wanting to control ministry. And Suri and I had, had the opportunity earlier to share about our ministry. If you were here, you got to hear about some of our activities with, with Reform University Fellowship in, in Dakar. Um, and, and a lot of those activities, a lot of times I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it happen. <laughs> I'm trying to control. I'm trying to organize everything so it just gets pulled off perfectly. But you know, Ministering to students in Dakar is essentially the equivalent of cat herding. <laughs> it's, it's like herding cats. I mean, it is, you, it's, it's impossible to control. It's a recipe to go insane if you think you can control ministry. I'm sure ask uh, the elders here, ask, ask Pastor uh, Matthew. I mean, to try to control what, what God is doing in his kingdom, it's, it, there's no way we can do it. When we, uh, we were getting ready to come back to the States uh, for our home, home mission assignment this summer, about a couple weeks before we came back, uh, the students at the university where we ministered just started rioting. Uh, they, they, they started burning things down, burning buses. Uh, they started uh, opposing the police, throwing rocks at the police. The police responded. It was just essentially mayhem broke out on the university. And, and it, was, it, was, it was just chaos. The university, you know, in a lot of places in the world, throughout history, the university a lot of times is ground zero for, for uh, uprisings. And that's, that's the case in Senegal. And what, what happened after, after a few days of this, the government just shut the university down. They said, okay, just 
guys are, it's over. Shut it down for the year. And so all of a sudden, Suri and I were like, we, we had everything planned out. We had this wonderful sort of last event. We were going to have a slideshow from our retreat and, um, you know, just have this wonderful sort of end of the year, going away time. And all of that just evaporated. You can't control ministry. You can't control, we can't control what God is doing. We can't control, you can't control ministry here in Concord, Boston. There's no way we, it, we, we, can, we can do you ministering here in this community and the community surrounding here. You, we can pray, you can pray, you can minister God's word, share the gospel, uh, do various activities, but ultimately it's God who brings in his kingdom, both here and in West Africa and in Iran where we just prayed. This parable, though, gives us consolation. There is hope. There is hope. Because the kingdom is growing, we don't know how. Oftentimes we're unaware of it. But God is doing his mysterious, glorious work in establishing his reign in the hearts of Senegalese college students, in the hearts of Bostonians, he is doing his work. And even in the, in the frustration that sometimes that the sheer madness of, of, of losing control, we need to remind ourselves that God is the one who gives the growth. And God has given us what we need to do each day. And we can find our joy in just letting him do his work. We don't have to know how it's going to turn out. We look to him, the Lord of the harvest, the one who has promised that he will bring his kingdom and he will cause the growth. So let's be at rest. Like the farmer who goes to bed at night, just go to bed. <laughs> sometimes, um, sometimes I have to force myself to go to bed. I really do. Sometimes it's just, I don't know when you go to bed, so I, I, I you know, sometimes it's 11, 11.30, I don't know, 12. It, but sometimes it's just like, I just got to, I, I just have to say, Colin, it's done for the day. Go to bed. It's like, you just, you just let it go. And what sleep is, is for the, for the next six, seven, eight hours, I'm effectively, you are effectively dead. You ever think about that? When you sleep each night, all of us lose total control over everything. There is nothing we can do. We aren't doing anything. We aren't aware of what's going on around us. We can't make a call. We can't send a text. We can't study. We can't pray. Sometimes we wake up in the night, you might pray. But, but when you sleep, we're doing absolutely nothing. And it's as if God has woven into the fabric of his creation, the way he has designed us, a way of humbling us every single 24-hour cycle, saying there is a point in, in, in each 24-hour cycle when you will know you can do absolutely nothing. But I will cause my kingdom to grow while you sleep. The second thing I think we can learn from this parable is that the kingdom grows not only mysteriously, but the kingdom grows Incrementally, it grows little by little. Jesus says the earth produces all by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. It's incremental. It's, it's, it's just little by little. 
Plants don't grow all at once. Nothing grows all at once. Chia pets grow pretty fast. <laughs> but, but, you know, by and large, most things, most organic things, everything in nature, it just, it's like I said earlier, you can't, it, things grow so slowly you can't even see it. You need time-lapse photography. And that's often the way God's kingdom grows. You and I are a blip on the timeline of God's kingdom. We're like a blip. What God is doing in his kingdom has been going on for a long time. What God is doing here in Concord, the surrounding area, what God is doing in West Africa. We might get a glimpse of the blade, maybe the ear, but oftentimes we don't get a we don't get to see the full grain in the ear. We're not always there for the harvest. We don't always get to see it. Are we okay with that? Am I okay with that? <laughs> what if God's kingdom goes on for another thousand years? Two thousand. I don't know. What if Jesus comes back this afternoon? None of us knows. But it could go on for a long, long time. Most, uh, most of the early church in the New Testament, this is certainly the case in the, the Thessalonian church, they, they most likely thought Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. And Paul had to tell the Thessalonians, look, um, you, you just... You need to keep doing what you, need, what you do every single day. So some of them actually had stopped working. And he was rebuking them because they, they, they just expected the kingdom was going to come back. Jesus was going to come back in any moment. And so what's the point of working? What's the point of doing anything? But we all know that the, that the kingdom has, has, has been going on for, for 2,000 years and counting since, since the early church, since the first century. And it might go on for a long time. Are we okay with the fact that we, at the end of the day, are, are, are a blip? I'm not saying we're insignificant, but I'm saying in the, in, the, in the broad scheme of God's kingdom, we're just, we're a moment. God's kingdom grows incrementally. But you're here this morning. You've shown up this Sunday morning. You could have found other things to do this Sunday morning, probably. Usually when you drive to church, sometimes you'll see people out running or playing soccer. I like to surf. A lot of guys surf on Sunday. <laughs> but you showed up here. You came because what we do every single Sunday morning and what we celebrate around this table, what we celebrate is that it, it's, it's as if this is like the dress rehearsal for the wedding feast of the Lamb every single Sunday. We come and it's, it's, we, are, we are, as it were, brought up into Zion, worshiping the Lord every single Sunday until Jesus comes again and we stand before him face to face. And brothers and sisters, there's no, there's no better place to be this morning. You can go, go jog this afternoon. <laughs> 
But to, to be here this morning is to say, you know what? The kingdom of God, it's slow. I don't know when it's going to end, but I am going to show up and hear the word of God. I am going to sing to the Lord who reigns. I will partake of his supper. I will celebrate him. I will put my trust. I will renew covenant with him. That's what we do every single Sunday, and we will do that until he comes again. Thirdly, the kingdom grows toward a goal. The kingdom grows toward a goal. The the kingdom has an objective. There's going to be an end point. The Lord Jesus, the one who came bringing in this this kingdom that's mysterious, that grows mysteriously, he will assure its glorious consummation. It will come to an end. I know sometimes it doesn't seem that way, but Jesus will come back. He will consummate it. It's, it's, I, I sometimes I try to, I don't know if you do, but sometimes I, I try to imagine what Jesus' return will look like. It, it, everyone will know it. It's like, it, you know, I just I'm, sometimes imagine the, the sky being split open. In, in blinding glory on all the nations of the earth, and everyone will know that King Jesus is king. And that will be the consummation of his kingdom. That is the goal to where it's going. And the full harvest will come. The, 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 the sickle will be laid. Finally, the harvest, all the harvest will be in all the nations from every tribe, tongue, and language will surround the throne of the king and worship him forever. That's where the kingdom is going. That's where we are going. That's what we celebrate this morning. The kingdom grows towards a goal. Unlike jazz, the kingdom of God resolves. (laughs) I I like jazz. I'm not a jazz specialist, but I I I like jazz. Miles Davis, John Coltrane. You know, when you listen to jazz, it's, it's... you know, some people like it, some people don't. But the one thing that's unique about jazz is it doesn't really resolve. It's just like, it doesn't land. It just kind of, it's, you can improvise. You can just keep improvising. It's beautiful. But the kingdom of God isn't like that. The kingdom of God will resolve. And all the evil, all the chaos that's happening in the world this morning will resolve. And the sovereign, for the sovereign praise of the king of heaven and earth. So tomorrow when you wake up, go into the fields again and throw the seed. Just throw the seed into the field through through prayer, through conversations, through hospitality, inviting people into your home, offering a word of encouragement, leading a Bible study, just sharing with a colleague at work, a family member, a friend, whatever it is, however God is calling you each day, to, to live out his kingdom, go knowing that he is doing his work through you. And whatever it looks like for you, and it looks differently for each of us, just know that he is at work. Incidentally, and let me close by saying this, um, if you're here this morning and what I'm saying doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you. You're kind of like, this new guy came and he's talking about 
the kingdom of God, and I have no idea what he's talking about, and um, I just don't get it. Um, you know, who talks about kingdoms anymore? Okay, I get it. But just, just for the moment, reach into what God is saying to you this morning. Come under the authority of what he is saying and, and know that, that the kingdom of God, the most important thing to know about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom has a king. And his name is Jesus. And that one of the greatest, if not perhaps the greatest irony, the greatest reversal of any single kingdom story you could imagine is that this king came and he died. He gave up his life so that the subjects of his king, of his kingdom, might have life. And to come into his kingdom is to, in the words of another gospel writer, is to come, to come into the realm of eternal life. If you read the Gospel of John, he doesn't mention the kingdom of God. But he talks about eternal life over and over again. And, and most people think that what John is saying is that to come, into, to come into Jesus, to be united to him, to know him, to be in his, under his reign and his kingdom, is to come into the realm of eternal life. And it's something you can experience even this morning. And I would encourage you, if, if something I've said strikes your curiosity, you don't quite know what I'm talking about, but you want to know more, I would just encourage you, go to one of the elders here, go to, to Pastor Matthew, one of the deacons, or anyone, just, just say, hey, I, I'd like to know more about who Jesus is. I want to know about Jesus, if he's the king of this kingdom. Will you tell me more? I would encourage you to do that. He is coming, brothers and sisters. Jesus is coming. He's given us this parable that we might find hope in him, that we might set our affections upon him, that we, that we might go to sleep each night knowing that he reigns and that he is building his kingdom. Would you pray with me? Father God, we... We delight, we delight in knowing you. And Lord, this, this congregation, this assembly of your people that is gathered here this morning is, is, is one small representation of what you are doing in building your kingdom throughout all the nations of this earth. And Father, we rejoice that we can come and that we can taste something of your kingdom even this morning, even in the midst of our pain, even in the midst of, of, of the things that keep us up at night, that keep us awake, that we worry, that, we, that we're anxious over, the pain, physical, emotional, whatever it is, Father, we come knowing that you are doing your work and that you are building your kingdom, and that you, that you have given us, your people, eternal life. And even in the midst of the chaos and the evil that is around us, and that is even that we deal with ourselves, Lord, we delight in knowing you and worshiping you. 
And so, Lord, would you take this word, this parable, this, this tiny little parable, would you sink it into our hearts? As we have come under the authority of your word, would you take it and apply it to our hearts this morning? And would you do it for your glory? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.